When I started first grade in 1967, I also joined the Cub Scouts. Like many Scouts then and now, I joined along with my neighborhood friends. In those early Cub Scout years, parents always stayed with their Scouts at the meetings and activities. So this gave a, a chance for our moms to come together. My mom was quickly elected den mother for my pack, a role she really enjoyed. While scouting is really about developing the character of the youth involved, I mostly remember that we played a lot of baseball. I had field trips to local fire and police stations and worked on advancing our scouting marks, ranks. As I got older, my mom stayed active as the leader when I moved to the Weeblos levels, a bridge between Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts. At this age, we were able to do more camping and outdoor activities, which as a New Orleans City kid was exciting and new. I loved canoeing, archery, wood carving, and anything that gave me a chance to get outside with my friends. When I was old enough to cross over to Boy Scouts, I was excited because Boy Scouts meant even more outdoor activities. One of the highlights and my best memories was the relationship my troop had with a Boy Scout troop from the United Homan Nation, a local tribe near New Orleans. We parented with these boys, we partnered with these boys on campouts and were invited to attend their powwows twice a year. This personal legacy of cultural sharing and relationship building continues to be very important in my life. Though I recognize that it is not this way in Scouts for Everyone and that there were discriminatory policies throughout the organization. While I never made Eagle Scout, I stayed with Scouting until I was 16 when cars and other pursuits took my focus away. Before I, came, before I became again involved with Boy Scouts about 40 years later, the organization was slowly and sometimes not so slowly transforming as it found itself embroiled in larger, larger national debates about gender roles and sexual orientation of both youth and leaders. Changes in the larger culture led to an examination of the many founding policies in the Scouts. Some changes came quickly, while others took years of legal battles. While my mom and many other mothers served as den leaders for the younger boys, women were not allowed to lead the older boy scout troops as scoutmasters for another decade. In the 80s, Catherine Pollard, a mother from Connecticut, sued the group to overturn the ban against women scoutmasters, alleging it violated sex discrimination laws. The lengthy legal proceeding drew international attention as the case wound its way to the Supreme Court in 1987, which upheld a lower court ruling that sided with the Boy Scouts. The legal fight for women's equality as scout leaders wasn't successful. But as the larger culture was changing, Pollard's fight caught the public imagination. And in 1986, as the Boy Scouts faced their, faced mounting criticism from civil rights groups, the executive board allowed women in leadership positions, including Scoutmaster. Many Boy Scout troops were traditionally and continue to be sponsored by churches. One of the policies that has been in place since the founding of the organization has been to no openly gay members or leaders. This reflected at least in part the sponsorship by mainstream churches and their conservative views. My family and I lived in Hot Springs, Arkansas when Benjamin started first grade in 2013. 
I was eager to share the positive experience as a scout that had shaped me, and we went to a recruiting session at his elementary school. Backing up a few years, in 2010, the Obama administration started to overturn policies like don't ask, don't tell in the military. Support for gay marriage was growing in the nation. However, the Boy Scouts again affirmed that their ban on gay youth and adults. But the group kept receiving criticism for their discriminatory policies. And then they formally lifted the ban on gay youth in 2013, not long before Benjamin joined his first pack. The ban on gay adult leaders, however, stood. During first, Ben's first two years of, of Cub Scouts, we knew there was a con were continued efforts and pressure on the organization to lift the ban on gay leaders. Former Defense Secretary Robert M. Gates, who served under President Obama when I Don't Ask, Don't Tell was re repealed, became president of the Boy Scouts of America and used his power to urge the group to end its ban on gay leaders. The National Executive Board eventually lifted that ban in July 2015. Ben's Cub Scout pack was faced with a crisis after that. While we were happy, that decision brought the organization closer to our family values of inclusion and acceptance of all. Some members and leaders of our pack left the group. The Lutheran Church that sponsored us, his pack de declined to continue supporting our group. I was asked to set up as an assistant counts to step up as assistant cub master, and I was happy to be a part of trying to find a way to continue promoting scouting values with the Cub Scouts and families that stayed. Fortunately, the local Seventh-day Adventist Church was happy to sponsor our pack and pick up our charter. Not only did they have space for us to meet, but they offered so much support and welcome to our group. Made flyers to help us recruit and rebuild, and we felt truly welcomed. The snowball effect of these changes kept and keeps going ongoing. Transgender boys were allowed to join the Cub Scouts in 2017, and soon after that, the Boy Scouts became even more inclusive by starting programs for girls as well. When we left Arkansas that year to move to Oregon, the pack was growing. Since then, Ben has stayed in scouting. We have seen in just one decade how quickly an organization can make positive changes that affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of all people when there is the will to change. Thank you, Chris, for sharing your family story. My name is Josh Steinhurst, he and him. Across the country this week, congregations of all kinds are celebrating Scouting Sunday. They come together to celebrate the hard work of their youth and to show the pride we feel in their skills, kindness, and bravery. We joyously do that here today, but we also want to talk about the connections between scouting and our UU faith. If you ask a youth the purpose of scouting, they will tell you about camping, swimming, archery, badges on topics such as first aid or rifle shooting, and of course, sitting around a campfire with friends like we are this morning. While those activities are rewarding and fun, they are not the purpose of scouting. In fact, the mission statement of the Boy Scouts of America doesn't mention anything about the outdoors. Instead, it is to prepare young people to make ethical and moral choices over their lifetimes 
by instilling in them the values of the scout oath and law. While doing this, we teach leadership, personal development, and how to positively interact with youth and adults in sometimes stressful situations. Like Chris, I joined Cub Scouts as a child and graduated into what was then Boy Scouts. I then earned the rank of Eagle and was inducted into the Order of the Arrow, an honor society. As I aged out of the youth program, I became aware of some of the discrimination and hurt I had failed to notice as a child. But it was time for college, graduate school, a job, so. It wasn't until the national news in 2012 became loud that I turned my attention back to scouting. BSA, as Chris described, had doubled down on its policies, darkest before dawn, prohibiting known or avowed gay scouts and scout leaders from participating in the organization. I co-founded a local branch of Scouts for Equality. We got in the local newspaper, on morning AM radio talk shows, and achieved basically nothing beyond showing a progressive presence in conservative Pennsylvania. But others around the country did the same, and they did it much better. And change came, and in 2018, when girls were allowed into Cub Scouts, Ruth joined the very first week, and I felt comfortable becoming a registered leader. The seeds of this sermon came about as an early meeting of guys. Lee asked us something along the lines of, what is your personal theology? That was, and is, a hard question for me. However, the circle in the social hall wasn't very big, and uh, wasn't very big, and I soon found myself pressed for an answer. Out of panic, what came out of my mouth was the scout oath and law. <laughs> this should not have been a surprise. When I first attended a UU church and came across the seven principles in the front of the gray hymnal, they felt familiar to me because of my scout experience. There are big differences, sure, but also a tremendous amount of overlap. They are both lists of what each group strives to be. Notably, however, they are not descriptors of what we are. It might surprise you how often we interrupt a scout meeting to remind everyone what being kind means in practice, or to quietly discuss bravery with a trembling six-year-old about to sell a stranger fundraising popcorn or about thrift when someone throws a stove in a trailer. The seven principles have been the same for me, and not just in RE where we sing the song version that most resembles the scout law. I have seen people and organizations move towards the principles, never reaching them, but moving closer. We also use it to express hurt, which is when we learn over and over that no matter how sophisticated the wording is, we will never understand them to mean the same thing. What does acceptance of each other really mean? There, that is no clearer to me than what morally straight means in the Scout Oath, a phrase that has been used as much as a weapon as a guiding star for youth. Chris's story was a personal one and did not capture all the discrimination and pain that occurred in the name of scouting. The racial history of the organization is long and tortured. The segre with segregation not even fully ending everywhere in the nation until 1974. The close relationship Chris's troop had with a local tribe was not universal, and there was a great deal of crass cultural appropriation that's only slowly being unwound. 
The child abuse scandals, and more particularly the efforts of various parts of the organization to hide it, still reverberate today, although the safeguards we have now are very strong. As Chris's family experienced firsthand, when each turn of prog with each turn of progress meant people left the organization. When the Church of Latter-day Saints decided to pull out, they had previously used scouting as their official youth group for boys. It cut a full third of our membership. As membership chair for our local district, I can tell you we're still recovering today. I think it is useful to consider the speed, though, that BSA has evolved on gender and sexual policy in just the last decade. I took over my role as PAC committee chair from a lesbian and turned it over to a trans woman. Our PAC had a trans boy and several children that did not follow gender stereotypes in terms of clothing or habits. This is not true in all PACs and troops, but the speed of change is fast for a uh, such a tradition-bound organization. Has the, UU, has the UU faith or UUA evolved that much in 10 years? I think not. Should it, having started in a different place? I don't know. Do the pains we are going through now feel familiar to me? Yes. It is worth looking at the direct relationship between the UUA and BSA. Some of you may remember that Earth that Ruth earned love and help during COVID, an award given by the congregation in recognition of her work to learn about herself and UU that is recognized like awards from other faith traditions by scouting. She is wearing that medal today and has a purple patch for less formal occasions. A previous version of that award was disavowed by the BSA in the 90s because the guidebook for it, the handbook that the youth would do, spoke out against the homophobia that BSA showed at that time and the religious discrimination against atheists, humanists, and others that did not fit the BSA-approved model of reverence. This led to the UUA recommending that churches not charter troops or PACs and made it hard for some UU scouts to honestly participate in BSA programs. In 2015, the BSA dropped the prohibition against LGBT leaders, having done youth the year before. In 2016, the UUA and BSA signed a letter of understanding. It's somewhat open to interpretation, but it opened the door for churches to charter troops and PACs, and for BSA to recognize, in my own paraphrasing, if you are UU, that's good enough for a religious requirement. We won't ask any other questions. <laughs> I feel that the remaining religious test will likely be removed within the next couple of years, removing the final discriminatory membership policy barrier. Despite the letter of understanding, our two organizations might seem very far apart from each other. But are they? We might not wear a uniform here, nor have ranks or skill tests, but do we learn first aid? Do we serve each other and the community? Do we build leadership skills? Do we aspire to follow our oath slash principles better while knowing we will never get there? Do we do fun activities like sing and hike? 
Do we have fights after long days that need to be healed with sugar and um, kind words? Do we want to make good ethical and moral choices over our lifetime? To me, scouting and Unitarian Universalism are very different expressions of the same motivation. Groups of individuals coming together to try to improve themselves and the world. Thank you. Now, please rise and join in our closing hymn.